Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm Richard Good. Gilmore. <laughs> I'm Catherine Partisini, and we're here this morning. Well, it's, it's your in your time, it's afternoon. <laughs> uh, this is Rita Azenwa Okoro, um, and she is a creative culturalist, a communications expert, and a performance activist, and lots of things that we can't wait to unpack and hear all about today. Welcome, Rita. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you so much. Rita, you said it was 4 p.m. where you're at. So my question, the first question is, where are you at? I'm in Abuja, Nigeria. Abuja is the federal capital territory of Nigeria, which is situated in the west of Africa. <laughs> and you... Uh, I don't even know what my question was. I completely forgot it. You tell everybody what what you do, because I okay. we talked we talked to her I don't know like a month ago mm -hmm. in preparation for this interview, and I'm, I am very excited to talk to you about all the things on my list. But I want to, you to tell everybody kind of your background and how you got to be where you are today. Wow, where do I start from, people? We're um, live and we have all day. Go for it. <laughs> And go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Got a captive um, audience. <laughs> so I'm the founder and lead visionary of Street Project Foundation. Um, it's an organization that uses the power of the creative arts to facilitate youth leadership development, social mobilization, and cross-cultural dialogue. I also was recently appointed um, the first executive director of the Global Play Brigade um, and it is a volunteer movement of play activists, performance activists, actors, clowns who are experimenting um, globally with how play can be used for social transformation and human development, which is so much in line with um, my ho whole ideology and philosophy of using creative arts um, for human development. Um, I believe so much in, in it, you know, helping, young, um, helping humans um, integrate and live together in peace and harmony. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, love, I love music. I love to sing. Um, and I'm currently um, a new author of the book, Doing, Being, Becoming, for the Love of the Creative Arts, uh, which chronicles my, my journey in the arts. And um, also, um, it's, it's all, also an activist piece that pushes for more investments in the creative arts, especially in the global South. How did you first come upon the creative, like the performing arts? How did, how were you introduced to that? Okay. That, the, the whole story you'll find in the book. Um, <laughs> we have to get the, the book. book. Yeah. <laughs> the link is yeah. in the chat and in the comments. So. Yeah. Um, and really started for me as a child, but the truth is, it's, you, it's by hindsight, you then would know the power of what um, you were exposed to, right? Um, but like 
just reflecting, it was everything to do with my childhood and how I was allowed to play mm -hmm. as a child. I was allowed to imagine as a child, um, inhibited in, in just creating, in writing um, and acting. Um, and back in the day, because I grew up in Festac Town in Lagos State, um, and back in the day, we, we, we grew up the, um, in a community um, that had like a, a dead end, like the, the road had a dead end. So they're called closes. And there were about 28 houses in each close. Um, so it was a community of its own, of different families. And to stay glued together, to stay um, bounded together and have a community that is amiable, that's thriving, we usually would have end of year parties. And in preparation, so just around this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for our invite. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the children of the close, every child um, had the opportunity to perform at the close party, but as an ensemble. So, for me, who grew up in the city, it was an experience because I got to sing cultural songs that I wasn't accustomed to in Yoruba, Hausa, Igbo, which are like the main um, major um, ethnic groups in, in Nigeria, tribes in Nigeria. Um, we would wear costumes. Um, we would play together. We would, we would you know, improvise and come up with stage plays that had lessons. And it was quite exciting doing that. And I enjoyed it up to my teenage years. And then I was fortunate enough to then study creative arts in the university, exposed to it in totality, not just the theater, but music and the visual arts. Mm -hmm. And I remember that my final year thesis was on epic theater because I majored in theater arts. And one of the, the last line of my thesis was, I do not believe in arts for art's sake. I believe that art exists beyond the sake of it. Um, and that I believe in arts for social transformation. I really didn't know that at that point I was writing my, my vision <laughs> for yeah, my life. Goosebumps listening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's how it all started for me in summary. Rita, I was also a theater major and um, I had none of that happening <laughs> in my brain as a theater major. I went to theater because I was like, I just want to be a talk show host. So I'm going to go to theater and then realize I should not be live on a stage anywhere having other people uh, worry about whether or not I was going to remember the lines. So the fact that that's where your brain was and that like, we, hmm, all right, well, that's why you're out doing what you're doing. And uh, I want to, I, how then do you like transition from like, this is what I, like, this is my like light bulb moment into the Street Project Foundation. Like, I love when people's yeah. lives just like keep like opening up like that. And just, I, it's so fascinating to kind of see those stories. I can't agree with you more. Um, and just building off on what you said um, is 
is why Street Projects Foundation was established because not everybody needs to study creative arts to become a famous person or a comedian or be on stage. But the truth is life is a stage, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And everybody should learn how to perform effectively in life one way or the other. Um, and so, like I said, just by reflecting and seeing how, you know, after I studied creative arts, I, I had some years in advertising. Um, and I saw that a lot of the things that I learned as a student of the, of the creative arts was helping me perform effectively and extraordinarily as a creative in advertising. And you know, it's a lot of performance. It's, it's a lot of, of, of selling ideas that you haven't even brought into existence <laughs> and getting people to buy <laughs> what you only see in your mind's eye. It takes a lot and it takes a lot of performance. It takes improvisation. It takes um, communication skills, which were um, skills that I developed unconsciously and I call it the not knowing growing process. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Communication skills, being able to work with other people, building confidence. Um, these were negotiation skills, appreciation of the arts, um, and, and just being able to, to perform a conversation. And also being able to be what you are not. <laughs> whilst being who you are and learning empathy by, by understanding what it means, or not completely understanding, by empathizing with whatever character you're putting on. Um, and that way you see the world differently and not from a myopic or from uh, just a, a single story framework. And so it was just this thinking and understanding and believing that there are a lot of young people who, in Nigeria who were not as privileged as I was to have been exposed to the creative arts in the way that I was. Because unfortunately, a lot of young people in Nigeria due to poverty have lost their childhood. And we know that the first five to seven years are the most critical and important developmental stage of a human being. Um, and if you do not expose children to the arts at, at that stage, um, uh, they lose out on, on a lot. And as adults, they, they, they don't play anymore. They don't even play at all because they weren't exposed to that. And, and that has affected development generally. And for me, my theory is if we want to bring some transformation to our underdeveloped world, um, one way, my answer is by creating an environment where young people who do not have the means can be exposed to the power of the creative arts so that they can build their confidence, their self-esteem, their ability to co-create with other people, and their the ability to be exposed to the world in, in ways that they wouldn't have if they were just, you know, in the corner of, of the world where they live. Um, can you walk us through kind of what those projects look like when you um, establish a program or you have participants come in? Um, what kinds of things 
do do together to foster that um, like artistic development in themselves. Yeah. Um, so one example would be um, a flagship program called the Creative Youth Bootcamp. It's an entry program for any young person between the ages of 16 to 25 years old who just has a theme for the arts. They might not be perfect in it, but they're just enthusiastic about music, dance, drama, visual arts, or they've been tinkering with it a bit um, and just are looking for a space to express themselves, especially if they come from families where the creative arts is looked down upon. Um, they're just looking for a safe space to just be themselves. Mm -hmm. So that, that program attracts young people who are in this dynamic. Um, and when they come into the space, one of the first things um, that we do um, is to play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and playing could look like um, looking at each other's, looking into each other's eyes for 90 seconds. Imagine being in a room filled with strangers of 25 to 30 young people who you've never met before from <laughs> different parts of the country, staring into each other's eyes without blinking for 90 seconds. I'm already How sweating. <laughs> I've had to do a similar exercise uh, as that. And I, th I think it was maybe three minutes where we were staring directly at someone. And that was initially uncomfortable but then something happens and and it just you you just see this other human being like straight in the eyes it's it's really incredible um so i'm curious how they respond <laughs> to well, that yeah but and i'm going to share with you a story that just melts my heart when we we do that exercise particularly and um of course some start to laugh some start to cry. Mm -hmm. Some, it, it's a struggle to stare. Um, but, you know, I'm a queen bee in, my, in that space. So they do what I ask. So, they, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and I talk about queen bee in my book. There's actually a chapter called Queen Bee because you've got to, you've got to command the space, right, mm -hmm. when you're working with young people. And so they're staring to each other's eyes. And then the next thing I start asking is, what do you see? Mm -hmm. And they have something to say about a stranger they just met who they haven't even exchanged words with. And they could tell if the person is wearing a mask mm -hmm. and using the smile to cover what's inside. Mm -hmm. Or they could tell that this person is amiable and is a star and has so much to offer. There was a particular um, situation where we had a visually impaired young man standing in front of a young lady who could see. And they had to stare into each other's eyes. Mm -hmm. He couldn't see her physically, but he could see her. Yeah. Um, she couldn't see his eyes or look into his eyes um, because they were short, but she could see him regardless. And they created such a fascinating poem 
that spoke about how they could see each other against all odds. And as I speak, they are bosom friends. Mm. Um, as a result of that exercise, they got to perform that poem together on stage. Um, so after that exercise, they get to perform, um, they, they get to reflect on, on, on that play session um, and come up with dance pieces, music pieces, visual art pieces, whatever creative art form that they are comfortable with to express and reflect on what happened at the, at the start of the program. And very quickly within the six week long program, um, they bond and they begin to co-create together. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> what are your recommendations or what are your ideas on people who are maybe not in an area where they have access to something like the Street Project Foundation or arts and health? Like, what would you say to them or how would you encourage them to bring the arts into their lives every day? Wow. That's a very beautiful question that you've asked. Um, and are we talking about people who don't have access to the internet or access to, um, to anything? Um, I would say they at least have to be able to listen to this podcast. Okay. But maybe, you know, they're in, I grew up in a very rural area where there was no theater, there were no museums, there, there, were, there was no art. We didn't have a theater program in my school. Um, so I turned to different things to get the arts, but, um, I'm curious kind of what you would recommend for people or things that they could do, you know, like not even necessarily going to find it, but things they can do for themselves. Okay. So the first thing I would say is, um, they could attend one of the global play brigade play shops. Mm. Um, we run four major play shops in a year and it's a global play shop. Um, and we just finished one in October, um, which happened on Friday and Saturday, the 28th and 29th, if I'm correct. And we had about 16 facilitators um, from across um, 15 countries. And we had about 200 people from across 30 countries attend. Um, so this is a viable space. And we had about nine um, we call them play shops, but they're, they're workshops, right? Um, where people can actually just fully express themselves, play, engage in improv in different ways, and then connect with people um, within the space um, who can also help them engage and build themselves and just belong to a community where, you know, they can engage. The next one is February, February the 24th and 25th. Um, and so they can be part of that. We also have emotional support sessions that hold on WhatsApp. So if they follow us on globalplaybrigade.org, that, that would be a fantastic starting point. What they could do at home um, would be to, to write. If they're, if they're people who love to write or love to draw, um, whatever it is that they have around them, they should start with what they have. Um, but most importantly, find a community that can help them thrive. And their communities online, like the Global Play Brigade. 
Y'all got it figured out. (laughs) (laughs) Very impressed. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the performance of a lifetime? (laughs) So I'm hoping we can still do that today because I remember you talking about it before when we chatted and it sounds amazing. (laughs) All right, cool. So performance of a lifetime is one of the play um, um, sessions that we run um, during our um, our creative youth boot camps and all of the boot camps that we run at Street Project Foundation. And what we we ask, what we the the instruction is in sixty seconds, tell us a story about your entire life in sixty seconds. It could be a moment in your life or your entire life, and that story could be told in music, dance, drama, poetry, whatever art form that you you deem fit. Um, And we set the stage and they come and they share stories of their lives in 60 seconds. Um, In in such instances, we've we've had stories of of, child abuse told um, through poetry or through music. Um, in such stories, we've, we've, um, we've gotten young people tell their stories about their struggle through the arts. And after the 60-second performance, we then um, recreate. We get like two or three other actors within the space to join them on stage. And we change, we build on the story. We give the, 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 the story a different slant. So if, for instance, it was a story about grief, um, which was something I personally did when I was exposed to a performance of a lifetime for the first time, um, it was an opportunity for me to share a story about lost loved one. And um, the facilitator, Kathy R. Salit, who's the founder of Global Play Brigade, um, um, came on stage together with me to do an impromptu um, poetry, which was supposed to be a poem to my loved one who had passed away. And I took a line and she took a line. I took a line and she took a line. Um, And it was such a therapeutic experience. And it was the first time that I had openly expressed my emotion about the loss of, of that loved one. And similar experiences happen um, within the space, a lot of catharsis. And so we always ensure that um, we have a decompression space and that we also have um, adults around who can help support our young people during that process. Do you have, I have a question, but I don't want to, I feel like I've asked a ton of questions, so I don't want to jump in front of Catherine. Uh, We talked about like the types of programs you have. I want to hear how you come up with them. Like what does your team look like and what are your meetings like to come up with these things? And it seems like they're so well thought out, like all the little details that there has to be. I imagine like 400 people sitting around like, okay, and did you make sure this is happening? And it, like, like it feels like there would be uh, or like 12 Catherines who is like, Catherine's like, um, excuse me, you forgot this detail. Um, how about this? Have you thought of that? But what is that, what is that process like? I wish um, the core team of Street Project Foundation is just seven. 
There are just seven of us and we just became seven recently. Um, for most of it, there were five core members of the team driving this vision. It's also important to state that when Street Project started almost 15 years ago, I was also a youth like a lot of the young people that we're raising today. So um, I practically um, was a rights holder, right? Building and, and creating what I believed young people needed. And so ingrained in our structure is a youth advisory board, um, which is, is always growing because for every program, we have young leaders who emerge, who have the potential of joining the youth advisory board. And they have become like the voice of the youth representing Nigeria within our organization. And then we have a community engagement officer who also, a lot of the people who work with, um, with, with us all came out of our capacity building programs anyways. So they're very well ingrained and steeped into the philosophy ideology of what Street Project is about and can talk about it just as well as I can. Um, we've got, you know, um, a community engagement and outreach officer, which is very critical because they, he has to work with the youth community. We've got our programs team, operations team, we've got our media team, and we've got volunteers who work with us. And we have a board of about seven um, um, persons. Um, at the board chair is Kelechi Olawi, um, who is um, a or an experienced and seasoned human resource expert in Nigeria. And so, um, yes, the core team, there, there's seven of us, um, but there, there, there's a whole world around us, as well as our facilitators who are contractors for our, the different programs that we run. And we have learned to build relationships with the ecosystem all around us that, that builds our, our programs with us, whether it's a creative youth bootcamp, arts vocacy, um, digital Amazons, and the numerous programs that we have. Mm -hmm. I, 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 know, I'm just like I just want to be you when I grow up. I know. That's all. I, I do have one more question. Um, Cause I know we're, we're almost, we're taking up a lot of your time, but um, <laughs> one of the things you, you speak about is how um, like the arts are sometimes undervalued. They're not as ingrained in our culture because it's hard to measure their impact. Um, and so I'm curious how Street Project Foundation tries, tries to measure that or do that. Um, it, with our organization, it's, it's like we just, there is science that backs it up uh, to a point, but there is so much of it that's just, it's that human to human connection piece that you, you're not gonna be able to get out your instruments to measure <laughs> in the moment, you know? No, um, and I agree with you. It is tough to try to <laughs> bring a stethoscope. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me track your heart the entire time right. we're doing art. Let's yeah. listen to the heart bin and yeah. Marley, we could, we could understand what's in there. Um, majorly, one of our major tools is storytelling, before and after. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a tool that works for us because um, if you could tell, if you could share a story about where you're at, what your expectations are, what it is that you're able to do, and then... Um, we then 
listen to your story afterwards. One story would be a young lady called Pelemo um, Nyaju, who um, is a young girl who lives with a physical disability um, in Nigeria. And when she got into our program, um, she was really, really um, had lost self-confidence. Her mental health state was on a down low. In, in short, our program was the first program where she was able to come out of her shell. And first time she experienced spoken word poetry by being with other people, which was something she was doing in her bedroom anyways, but it was the first time she could come out of her shell um, and not feel um, 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 different um, because it was a safe space to do that. And so you look at someone like Pelemo who whose confidence level was on a down low, her self-esteem was on a down low. And then two years later, Pilamo is representing young people in Nigeria um, as an ambassador of sort um, 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 in the Youth Advisory Council of the um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Netherlands. Um, speaking up for for the rights of young people living with disabilities and young people in general, um, representing the continent of Africa. That is a huge leap. I, I don't know what science needs to explain with that kind of theory <laughs> to say that an intervention such as ours um, um, was able to, to help with the development of a young germ like herself. And I also need to add that what is also very key about a lot of our programs is we don't run our programs and then leave our young people alone. They become a part of a community. Mm -hmm. And so WhatsApp is such a fantastic tool where we're constantly sharing opportunities with them to constantly express their talents. Um, and we run programs where we're able to bring them back together to perform where like right now we're running the Arts Vocacy Festival. We just had one here in Abuja and um, this, this Sunday, um, the festival will be holding in Enugu, which is Eastern Nigeria. So it's an opportunity for them to come back again, work together, and you can see their growth and development. So knowing fully well, they're still part of a community that's interested in not just a one-off growth, but their growth over time. Right. We can track young people who have been um, involved in our program so, since 2016, wow. who are doing extraordinary things, not just locally, but glo um, globally. How can people connect with you, connect with Street Project Foundation and all the things that you're doing? Um, so you could visit streetproject.org.ng, um, streetsproject.org.ng to learn more about Street Project Foundation. Um, if you want to also follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, it's Street Project Foundation um, in full, Street Project Foundation. Um, on Twitter, it's Street Project One, the number one, Street Project One. Um, you could also, um, to learn more about the Global Play Brigade, um, would be globalplaybrigade.org.ng. 
Um, and if you want to follow me, <laughs> Rita Ezenwa Okoro, on Instagram, on, on Instagram, I'm Lady R-E-O. On Facebook, it's Rita Ezenwa Okoro. Um, yes. <laughs> and then, of course, your book. Yes, time. my book. Yes, my book is is out. Um, it, it was um, launched on September 16th, my 41st birthday. I'm really excited about this oh, Wait, book. we can wait. Hold on. Say wait. that again. Say it again. All right. I said my book um, was launched on September 16th, mm -hmm. um, which was my 41st birthday. <laughs> 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 you just had to do that right? of course yeah. um and so I'm really applause. thank you i'm really excited about it it's available on amazon kobo ingram spark bands and noble um both paperback and uh, as an ebook so go, go get yours there's go get no excuse copy. not to have it at this point yes <laughs> Rita, thank you so yeah. much for spending your afternoon with us, our morning. You've made my day. Oh, same. I'm glad. It was thank such you a pleasure. Of course. The pleasure is all mine as well. Thank you so much for all that you do. And thanks for having me. Of course. The links to everything Rita's doing and associated with and her book are will all be in the show notes. Uh, make sure you're subscribing wherever you're watching or listening. We'll see you next time, everyone. Don't forget to keep creating. Goodbye. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It. This episode is produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, and hosted by Richard Wormer and Catherine Parson. You can support the show and help others learn about the healing power of the arts by visiting heartsneedart.org. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Hearts Need Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a mental condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in speaking.